of Jacob V. Weekly. We want to start again by inviting you to donate to Caddyshack of Hamill, Illinois. Caddyshack <laughs> IL on Facebook. Donate now. Every dime goes straight to saving and treating and adopting out real cats in need. I've been there. I've seen it. Help them. All my pets are rescued. Save a life or nine. Let's start the show. Do you like that? <laughs> yeah i just came up with that part last time good. uh we're late i know it's the fucking end i don't know what you want me to say of the world not the show we are fine on the last episode um uh our last episode was pretty strong uh we have a lot of fun things in the works i was working three jobs for about a month and that is settling down i'm down to uh, i'm gonna be down to one job here soon so god is good i'm also uh you know i've been gigging a lot the economy is blossoming and people want to drink beer outside and listen to um the hits so i've been all over the planet uh and i'm just trying to find a home for myself during the fucking apocalypse i've been listening to jacob v's favorite songs now for june 2021 on spotify there's a great um live version of uh, space oddity by david bowie uh and it's uh it got me thinking i was driving around in my car and i was just thinking about um like that's such a big part of why david bowie was famous it's not the only reason but how crazy it is that one really goofy song that came out in 1969 joe i'm an elevator no that's not the same one oh. this was before that but the reason he got to do that is because that one kind of, and if you actually listen closely to the song and it's on the playlist on Spotify, if you're a Spotify listener and you follow along with the Jacob V's favorite song playlist, I listen to it. uh, it's a really great moment. It's a really great perspective. It was right there in the middle of the space race or near, near the end of, I guess. Oh God. You know, what's really funny is I, uh, I actually was about to play a live video of that song at rock and brews, but you left before I was in the... Oh, I did. I visited your restaurant for lunch. You know, I had a lovely, lovely meal. I was ruined for the day, but I had this great <laughs> journey ahead of me. I had to go all the way up to a, a wonderful land called Mid-Rivers, oh, yeah. which is north of a place called Cottleville, and uh, good Lord. Um, so I, I needed uh, fuel for the road, so I got like nine appetizers. Mm-hmm. and i had the the dragon chicken i'm not hearing you are you talking um yeah i can hear you okay good make sure you're make sure you're up on that sucker sorry and uh no i had a great time it was um uh i, I probably had a whole pitcher of diet coke <laughs> yeah um prince prince had a similar experience i think to you know david boy having space oddity and that's just one of a million reasons why he was famous but then also um like prince had like 1999 was a similar thing right it was a similar like just like a what if kind of a weird song that then turned into uh um i mean there's a lot of his hits from that record and then that record kind of paid for a lot of his future uh endeavors that we know him for those are the, there's a lot of prince and david bowie on my spotify stuff lately so if you're following along with those playlists uh rest in peace to the great paul mooney legendary writer and comedian was 79 I got to see him live. Uh, he was already really over the hill. It was kind of sad to see. I'm glad I got to go and be supportive or whatever, but he was definitely like out there paying bills on the road. He was way too old to be doing stand up comedy. He would start the same bits kind of over and over again. It was like seeing Chuck Berry at 84, like I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or Dick Dale. <coughs> Dick Dale. Did you see Dick Dale? So he came and did his last tour and he played at uh 
Blueberry Hill, and I saw him performing, but didn't go. The great, <clears throat> good. He was doing. I was like, wait a minute. Why is that? How's that old guy playing Pulp Fiction? And I was like, wait a minute. That is that, that is him. It's the guy. Yeah. I was like, dude, no way. He sucks at that song. <laughs> That's hilarious. Now, oh, what else? What else? Uh, man, Burger King has joined the chicken sandwich war. I, of course, have had it a couple times, and I have an opinion. Um, they've also recently announced that a portion of sales of that chicken sandwich are going to pro-LGBTQ fundraisers or foundations or something, which I think is great that they said, like, look, we're Burger King. Nobody gives a shit. Let's really mix it up and let's pick a side, right? Because everyone else is just like, this is just about who has the better chicken sandwich. Are you guys like a specific type of sandwich? So let's make it. Most restaurants haven't taken a political stand on the whole thing. And I think uh, uh, I think that's probably more the Burger King angle. I don't think they're just a bunch of uh, quiet humanitarians over there. But they're allowed to be. We can live that dream. It's called the Stonewall Sandwich. I like the sandwich. It kind of reminded me of the Lee's chicken sandwich that's kind of in this debate. That is so good. And that I feel like the Lee's and the Burger King are a little too much bread. No. I feel like the buns are just a little, little too much. Um, did you see this, Joe? Graduating rapper escorted from ceremony after throwing thousands of dollars in cash into the air. Good for him, man. What I also love- I think this was local. That's Graduating so rapper. I'm pressing it, too. Uh, no, it's Atlanta. But it was just this KMOV4, which I thought was us for some reason. Atlanta rapper and high school student made it rain money at a graduation, uh, at graduation, but the excitement was short-lived as officers swept in to stop the thousands of dollars worth of celebration. <laughs> Ain't that just the way, though? What I like to imagine is that he... Is that... Is that no, they no, were no. waiting I'm for him not, to well, do I'm something not silly? This commercial to watch this. I feel like they were waiting for him to do something silly. They're like, "Watch Raphael," you know, and then he like throws the thousand dollars. Do we go get him anyway? Yeah, that's what we're here for, you know. And they just go get him, you know. That's how I feel like happened. Over the course of the the last month, which has really been probably a month since you and I did a episode together like this, right? At least that long. Yes. And. uh but in that time, we've had bears. It started off as what I thought was just one bear, one black bear in St. Louis County, like in like the central corridor of suburbs. Like I have no idea how a bear even gets there. Um, and then we started talking about a black bear was roaming Brentwood, Kirkwood, even Webster Groves the weekend following our last show together, which would have been like a month ago now. But uh, Raphael, you know, sorry. Since then. Uh, Missouri's issued 400 hunting permits available for Missouri's first black bear season. We were talking about going, but I think it's going to be too hot. I think it's going to be too hot. Are you paying attention? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I don't understand what you're doing. I need some feedback here. I'm, I, this is why I wait to do I, this with you. So I'm not just talking to myself. Feedback. I love you. I just feel, I feel like you're also doing Dude, something else. Let's stop. Let's just look. Let's just, what are you doing Dude, back there? I'm looking at the thing, the, the black bears. Dude, I'm sorry. So, uh, okay, well, now I don't give a shit about the black bears. Um, working from home, call to ban out-of-hours emails from bosses. Now, this is, of course, from the UK, where people argue about these sort of thing. Uh, working from home, call to ban, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this is from the BBC News. Joe, this is something that you and I talk about work-life balance on this show. You have plenty of work-life balance. 
Mm -hmm. Um, Work has got more stressful over the last year, this lady says. There's a pressure to check emails, jump on video calls, and to be on hand at all hours of the day. Claire, an IT consultant from Northern Ireland, argues the situation facing her and millions of others working from home during the pandemic isn't sustainable. Uh, They want to ban bosses from routinely emailing or calling outside of set work hours. Um, they're even talking about like making them like automatically deleted if they're outside of normal working hours or something, which <clears> that <throat> seems like a bridge too far. I didn't know this is the kind of thing people regulated. It's I've been saying for years that, you know, if you're getting paid and we're providing you with an email address, we should be able to hold you accountable for using that email address, not just using it, but using it the right way. But apparently I'm a, some kind of fascist for believing that. Who's that guy? Who, who's that big chef that owns a bunch of restaurants in America and he has like a, what's his name? Gordon Ramsay. No, he's the other guy. He's his master chef and apparently his servers make like $150,000 a year and he can't find anybody to work those jobs. And, and he's like, you guys, it pays $150,000. Like, it's like super upscale. And they've been doing like to-goes for this, this master chef. I'm going to find him really fast. You can fill in the time. Give me one second. No, you're doing great. But it's like so unbelievable. I think I posted on my Facebook. Yeah. So Claire says burning people out isn't good for workers or employers. Sorry. We've got to give people some time to switch off and recharge. I just don't understand. Um, I guess they're to preserve the mental health foundation recommends the bosses stay in daily contact with employees. However, it says they must respect boundaries people have between work and home life. Well, that seems to be the argument, right? Yeah. Um, Let's stay on that before we... Oh, well, this is kind of related. China food law. China has passed an anti-food waste law that bans diners at restaurants from ordering more than they need. Ooh, that's interesting. Did, man, did I get a link for that? Because that's... I need some details. That's, I'm going to look at that up, too. Uh, of course, it's from fucking oh, Vice. Oh, who pie. knows if it's even real? Oh, I fell for it. Chinese people are required by law to order just the right amount of food at restaurants, though what that means is up for interpretation. The the law was part of an anti-food waste campaign that swept the country last year after Chinese President Xi Jinping called food waste a distressing problem. It's so dumb. Oh, they're also talking about um, filming or sharing videos of binge eating, such as mukbang, is also prohibited. Well, that sucks. No mukbangs in China. Chinese food is so good for a mukbang. Yeah. You said it's a mukbang? Mukbang. Oh. M-U-K. No, we're not talking about this. We've talked about this before. What we're not it? going here right now. It's where, it's like you eat a whole bunch of food. I thought it was something really different. No, no, no. You're thinking of like other things. <laughs> um, China is not facing imminent food shortages, shortages but a uh, food saving campaign in August saying blah, blah, blah. I just want to know how they enforce that. Some restaurants have pledged to offer small portion options. Listen, I wish one of them would try to come at me. That's so funny. That's happened to me at Chinese places before, though. They'll come by and they'll be like amazed that I ate it all. Yeah. (laughs) Happens at sushi places. You're like, whoa, you guys fucking love tuna. I'm like, get out of here. Hey, go. (laughs) Get. I mean, listen, I'm paying for the tuna. I was polite the whole time. I ordered a lot of tuna, but I didn't ask for a discount. I don't have a Groupon. This is between me and the tuna. I like to imagine us going to a, like a Chinese restaurant together. It's like an all-you-can-eat buffet, and they like throw you out. They're like, "No, you eat too much." <laughs> okay, did go. You, did you eat too much. Did you? Are you doing a voice? No, I, I didn't do. A vo- you, I cannot I, have you doing voices. I didn't do a you voice. Can, 
I, I was yelling. Uh, the broken English is not no, good. No, I didn't. They, it was perfect English. We Thank God there's no camera on you because you were probably making a face. You No, I, <laughs> both my hands are on the mic. Can I say my Wolfgang Puck thing? Wolfgang Puck, that's the guy you were talking about? Yeah. I, I was thinking English people. No, no, he's American. And he's goes. No, but uh, Wolfgang Puck's not from America, but he's also not English, I don't think. Well, he has restaurants in America. He's some kind of fucking German, I think. Yeah, I, I can imagine. He goes, he, they can't, so he actually blames the um, border laws. Like he says, so Puck's plight has become a familiar theme in recent months. The restaurant industry has a $1.7 million, sorry, 1.7 million fewer jobs filled than before the pandemic. That's the highest on record, despite raising pay and, and posting uh, almost a million job openings in March. Millions of workers who left the industry during the pandemic haven't come back for a myriad of reasons, including concerns about safety. Republicans blame labor crunch on Biden's, uh, the Biden administration's move to boost supplemental federal unemployment benefits. Um, but the demand is definitely there, Wolfgang Puck says. We get enough customers, but we cannot serve, we can't serve them. In an upscale environment, you have to give people great food and great service, so it's difficult to find enough people. Uh, <clears throat> and he, his net worth is like $90 million. This is like the thing that's driving me crazy, too, though. Is like, isn't that the problem with everything right now? Is that there's too many people trying to use the things, and then there's not enough people to work in the things? That's what's hilarious, is that our numbers, if we would have stayed open on Father's Day, we would have had a $10,000 evening easy. How did you? How, how late were you open on Father's Day? We had to, so the original plan was to stay open until seven. We had two managers working the, working the kitchen, and then they turned it to six thirty. And then an hour into the shift at five thirty, they were like, "Nope, lock the doors," and they just locked the doors because they couldn't do it. It just like it was too much. Well, people just come in these groups of like fifty. I mean, it's insane. what is that about? It's insane. I we were just talking about that. You say this happens a lot there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're like, pushing did you show up together. unannounced in large groups and huge? Like, and they're like sitting there and they're like, what? You guys can't do it. And we're like, no. Well, what the that's fuck? that's the thing is because I'm often just dumbfounded by the things I don't have access to that I used to have access to. I couldn't get, there were like four menu items available at salt and smoke the other day when I was trying to order something for pickup, but it wasn't even like five o'clock yet. Yeah. Barbecue runs out really fast because they can really only do it per batch and they can't really have anybody like they can't check on the smoker, you know, like they can't, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Barbecue. We were always running out of stuff at my barbecue restaurant I used to work at. And, uh, and, but like also like the lines around the fast food places, I think a lot of that is the delivery thing. It's so many lines. Yeah. Um, everywhere I go, but you know, what was crazy is the McDonald's I was in today was such a nightmare. It was seriously like a triage military clinic, but there were lots of people working back there. (laughs) I can count. There were, there were 12. 15. There were like five girls working between the counter and the drive through. And then there were at least three dudes actively making food and at least two other people. There were easily 10 or 12 people back there while I was there. And the, but it was just chaos. The drive through was wrapped around the building. They were almost burning things. It's like, they don't, it's, it's, I would have expect if it, I would expect it to be a much smaller group of people. I don't know how many people you need. Cause this was only open for takeout and drive through. God. 
and I don't know how many people you need to make that operation go, but they had more than I would have thought they they had, considering how backed up they were. Yeah, like twelve o'clock. And now. I and they and I was supposed to be curbside pickup, and yeah. then the the app wouldn't let my payment go through for no reason. It said we're having problems or an RN come in and, and you'll pay for it inside or whatever, and I did. But uh, so I had to fill my own sodas, but there's no ice in either of the soda machines out in the lobby. Uh, wow. And then I'm I'm probably there for 20 minutes standing, waiting for my mobile order that I made before I even got there. And then, you know what I mean? It was so goofy. But it wasn't, there were lots of people there. There were lots of people working there. Yeah, last two. Maybe not enough. Definitely not enough to improve anyone's experience. Yeah, it's out the door. The I don't know. Thing. I don't know. Man, I almost paid $40 for a tank of gas today. I think my tank only is like 15 gallons, and I was almost completely out, but it came up to like thirty nine ninety eight, like for real. And man, that's the most I've paid for gas in a long time. And people are hoarding gas. Like, we didn't already have a whole episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia about this. It's so funny. Why Have you seen people putting yeah. gasoline in yeah. like Rubbermaid storage bins? It's so funny. What are people doing? Americans, is it? Are they? I mean, they maybe do that other places. And here's what pisses me off: is gas isn't even three dollars here. Yeah, it would. I mean, when I started driving, gas was three sixty five. Yeah. So <clears throat> um. So Parsons, our great slack jawed piece of shit, fucking governor. Uh, he ended the, uh, he apparently as the governor, he has the authority to unsubscribe from the federal unemployment aid to out of work, Missouri. I'm happy he did that, man. We finally have more servers at our job. It really worked. I know you hate it, but it worked. <sighs> Hold that thought. Uh, the state will stop paying the $300 per week supplement and stop issuing payments under other federal unemployment relief programs in an effort to push reluctant workers back to the job market. Um, he says, continuing these programs only worsen the workforce issues we are currently facing. It is time we ended these programs that have incentivized people to stay out of the workforce. Yikes. Okay, defend it for me. I just think he's right. I just know so many people. We had we had servers, and we were so dumb. We gave them back their jobs. This girl, she totally was doing Listen, it. So go ahead. Stay on, stay on one point, please. Well, I'm just saying that these people totally did take advantage of. There are a lot of people that took advantage and I know it. I know there are all these other conditions that, you know, these horrible conditions, but I think that, that those are fewer than those who are just taking advantage of the system. Honestly. Interesting. We'll see how that plays out with the audience. I'm being honest. I totally believe you. That's what concerns me. Um, I mean, you I don't, don't want to work these jobs. They suck. I don't. That's what I'm saying. And that's why, I mean, and that's why you would quit in a heartbeat. Well, and that's why I didn't want to force people back into those jobs. Yeah. No, you no. Know what I mean, I think the good thing I always had it. a problem with because of your, even when I was a kid and I had to go work in a pizza kitchen for the first time, I was just like, I don't want to fucking work in a fucking pizza kitchen. It's not my fault that I'm not yeah. old enough to have cultivated experience to go do something else. And it's yeah. not my fault that jobs that are easier than working in a fucking pizza kitchen are also sought after by adults who don't have higher aspirations like that's always been a problem for me no it's a so, so i don't understand i mean if if they wanted to work in a restaurant they could have gotten off unemployment and come back to work in the restaurant yeah so it's a so they've been they, on a 20-year study um from where they so this is washington post um they 
I read this article the other day. Um, there are people leaving retail right now in numbers that are like un, like they haven't seen before just because I think the good thing about the unemployment, here's the good thing. This is what Parsons can't tap into is that it brought to light how much these people hated their jobs and their lives and they are finally disenfranchising those companies. So Parsons can take away unemployment, fine, but people are still going to leave they're going to quit which doesn't give them better. the ability yeah it doesn't give them the ability to have unemployment and they're going to go somewhere better parsons can't stop that i know he wants to bring people so the the job is now up to the companies to say how can we make this environment work for millennials which is my dream is companies will say we need to make this work for millennials and i think that's like beautiful it's like what so do, good what do we what do, we, what do you think we need that they don't give us already um, I think they need benefits like with health insurance and I think they need to have they need to have work in, working environments that give them enough support to do the jobs they need. Servers have always been basically like work till you die kind of mentality and now finally like our senior servers who are always like very conservative and they're always just like no this is the job no, like they're very are finally saying no I don't I think I'm getting too old for this like they're like saying like this is kind of dumb like we really are killing ourselves these people that are so rude. Because it's a fucking know? I mean it's because my thing is I I want people to get get paid what what they need to get paid for um not only how difficult their job is but also um like the money they need to realistically live independently in their own situation right especially when you're looking at like um, there were very few young kids working at this uh triage war clinic McDonald's I was in today <laughs> a lot of these people are just um uh adults that just need a job right and uh and they're maybe doing the best they can. Yeah. So like, I'm totally okay with them paying whatever, but I mean, in the meantime, I mean, how many, seriously, any, this is the thought I had any, but a lot of McDonald's are McDonald's. A lot of McDonald's are, uh, franchised you know what i mean like yeah. um pnp restaurants or whatever is a company i guess here in town that owns like five or six of the mcdonald's the ones i pretty much always go to yeah. are owned by this same guy i guess or this group of dudes and uh so who in their right mind after the experience of the last year is going to say hey i'm going to open another mcdonald's or i'm going to open a mcdonald's because i can't imagine that they can staff it they were trying to hire a girl to work there they, the only people in the dining room were somebody that looked like some kind of a manager. Maybe she was Madam P&P restaurant and she was interviewing a girl and going through the paperwork, like onboarding while you could obviously tell people are screaming at each other in the kitchen. It's chaos. There's they're literally, they burnt like a hundred chicken McNuggets right in front of me, big old smoking ceremonial effigy of burning McNugget. It's so beautiful. It was gorgeous. It was tribal. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, if I was that girl, I'd be like, honey, I'll go wax a car or something, Jesus. Yeah. Well, and there's so many like guys that I know that just even they they totally and you know take what you cut. know what they got to do they got to they're advertising you know up to 12 for or up to 15 they need to make it 15 across the board yeah. to draw people in there that i can't picture anyone going to work in a mcdonald's yeah that hasn't already done something like that before for less than 15 dollars an hour yeah. i don't see it happen. i don't see the problem coming to an end this is it is such a i i think it is honestly such a great thing I think that I think companies are really getting bitten the way they've always needed to be. Yeah, we're sticking it to them. Yeah, but I'm suffering. 
I had a lovely home cooked meal this evening. It was a lovely change of pace because usually trying to find something good to eat is uh, is usually riddled with disappointment and anxiety. Yeah, there's less tables in places, and then anywhere you can have a decent experience, there. I mean, it's just the demand is just crazy. Yeah, what is the demand about? Because I feel like it's not just. Is it the? Is it? Is it? I got I'm, it down. I got it down. I know what it please, is. Tell me what's going on. So it was Father's Day, and I'm sitting here. I'm like, what is it about? Like, why? Because you know, on Mother's Day, I don't even think critically about it. But when Father's Day comes around, you know, because these guys are paying for their own, you know, celebratory meals. I think it's so sweet. I mean, we had really. I loved everybody that came in, but I also they came in with such great numbers. But what it is is it's the idea that you can look at the menu and there is a variety of things you can choose from for everyone. I mean, you can't even, you can kind of recreate that at home by giving people a lot of options. But I mean, think about how many entree options you well, have. Well, and think of the mess. Like, it's I crazy. Mean, you I have mean, the mess. There, I mean, the dishes for that many people. Absolutely. Like, it's crazy. And I think like the restaurants, and it was only on Father's Day that I could say, you know what? People do need the restaurants. Like they do need, it's hot outside. I don't think people know how to feed themselves. I That's mean, the other thing. Yeah. I think maybe some people learn that, but there's, I mean, especially young single people. They, I mean, there's, I know a guy who's a bartender, a really sweet dude. He eats like one big meal a day and that's kind of about it. He may snack at work or something, but like, it doesn't make sense for him to cook full meals piece by piece. You know well, what I mean? Yeah. And think about what he was groomed to. I'm so sorry. No, please. Think about what he... So they talked about this in that one documentary. Uh, what's that guy's name who's always making those liberal documentaries? Oh, my God. What's his name? Michael Moore? Michael Moore. I hate you. And he, talk, he goes over to France, and he goes to the... Like, one of the poor French towns, and he goes to this... The, like, the best restaurant in town is this kid's lunchroom, the elementary... And they have an hour for lunch, right? When I was in middle school, we had 15 minutes for lunch. Yeah. And what you teach kids when you rush lunch like that and you get and but it's, it's also so funny there the time they save to maintain order is so great. So they'll do 10 minutes of a 30 minute what could be like 30 minute lunch to get kids in a line and to get them all, you know, and the point is, is that you are grooming kids to rush their lunches that that. No yeah, more it than feels the last school I worked at. I mean, lunch meal. felt like a fucking prison. Like it was so quick because they had so many grade levels that they all had to they right. wanted to feed all separately. Yeah, and uh, and just like kids would be hardly into their food. Kids don't eat fast like I do. Like I mean, well, but the fact that you have to is the insanity. The fact well, that's that what's crazy. It's like that you're, yeah. It's like hurry up, throw it away. Again, they won't let them eat anywhere else. They don't let them take it with them. And especially no. in an environment like that, you know, it's the only place these kids are eating. Yeah, and then you're gonna scream at them and rush them. I don't get it. I don't get it. Oh, so yeah. I don't understand the solution. You don't have the solution. Well, the point that I was trying to make is that part of the crisis is you, you mentally. Everybody mentally, when you have spent an hour on cooking a meal, your me- your mentality is, I just wasted so much time, which you actually haven't. You've well, that's actually- not true. It feels good once you finish it, but it's hard to agree up front to committing that time to it. Right. Well, and if you can get the whole meal done an hour, dishes cleaned, everything cooked, like done, like it's just really, it's just hard, you know, it's hard for people. Food, I and I no, but what's the yeah. solution to? I just don't want to fucking spend forty minutes every time I want to go to McDonald's. 
Well, the restaurant thing is that the And I want to mean, like, I had a lovely experience at lunch at your restaurant the other day. How come it can't normally be like that? That's right, yeah. And we did get busy later. But, yeah, I mean, it's difficult. Yeah. And then I realized this is the problem I had with school. When I was in school, I really felt like I, I, I realized later and I learned by learning about other people's experience that I actually had the privilege of a really great education. But Absolutely. at the time, I, had, I didn't have any point of reference. So, and I didn't like the kids I was going to school with, a lot of them. Yeah. And, um, and so, especially at the time, I like a lot more of them now than I did then. Uh, but there was a lot of like, I feel like I should be in a higher caliber environment, someplace that, um, is as serious as I want my education to be right. And public schools are not like that. Even the super, um, blessed sort of fancy suburban district I went, I went to compared to the places I've worked. Right. And it's just crazy to imagine, yeah. The kind of experience um, uh, kids are normally um, having, like you were saying, where they have to like rush through things. Um, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's insane. So, but I, I still don't know. I don't understand what we're going to do about that. I mean, obviously, the answer is that you have to pay people more money. Well, and you just have to we like Chick Fil A has done it really well. I How? Mean, what do they do well? I still, so I still they don't have go an there. Ample. They have a num. The number of people on the staff and the way they organize the rush is so good. Would describe it to me. So you got a guy. I also heard that they give every every employee a couple of free meals to give away. Absolutely. Th- throughout right. the shift, um, that's good. And they do. And they kind of encourage them to do it when they're the busiest because it's easier to just say, "Hey, here's your fucking food. Get out of here." So here's the first thing: if you have a two lane, um, if you have a two lane drive through, you need somebody directing that traffic to get everybody in and out as fast as possible. Chick fil A during the rush, so that's going to be like around one o'clock, especially you know during like a you know everybody goes there and. You've got a guy out there directing people, and he and sometimes they even do uh, cash or card, and they send somebody through a card line, send them through a cash line, and then you've got multiple people with iPads going to each car, so they can really tailor. So they got like they've got like six people out there going to each car, you know, and they and in the winter weather they give them really good you know gear to wear, and they give them heat, and they make sure they really care about. The people and inside they've got you know a, a, the right amount of people on the kitchen crew you know and you've got you just have every everybody has the support they need and they pay the people really well and what I do think they pay them you know i don't know like i think 15 an hour or something well, let's i know in, it's let's, better pay let's look into that okay fine um chicken and, and if hey sorry i don't know i am worried i am concerned Okay, it's average nine dollars, so minimum wage. Ooh, minimum wage is like ten thirty eight here now. Okay, shall we? Anyway, I'm just saying they have the people they need to do it, and the problem. But, okay, with so this was my question: Is what do you do if you just can't get people to work those jobs? If you can't staff enough people, so how do you? So how do? You, so what? What can McDonald's do? To fix that fucking problem, they need to learn from Chick Fil A. They need okay. to get they need to get more people in there, and they need to. So, what's gonna right. what's gonna get the people to actually take the job, though? I've never seen an unhappy Chick Fil A employee. Okay, but I'm not. I don't go to Chick Fil A, so I don't have that experience. They just feel cared for by the management. I promise. Like they're they're always the management will always back them up, and they will always. The problem is, is when you have an un 
An unsafe environment isn't created necessarily by the manager. It's created by low staff numbers and the expectation of the manager for you to handle it all. And that's the problem. And they don't really congratulate those people through get, like through getting through the day because it makes it so they can't congratulate them because that makes it like they, they have to act like it's normal. So these people don't get any like appreciation because that that if they're worried that if they appreciate them, then they're going to like go and be like, you know, I don't have to do this all the time because man, apparently that's a lot it's of weird down the rabbit hole with the hypothetical manager mentality. Hey man, I'm, I've been in this business for like seven years. I and how, seriously, how much ranch and how much diet Coke did I consume at your restaurant the other day? That's the real thing. that's on my mind. I, I gave you what you needed. Hey, you know? speaking of speaking of, um, right wing bullshit, Mark McCluskey is running for Missouri Senate. He's the one that waved the AR-15 at passing protesters with his wife in the Central West End. Great and they man. had to turn in those guns, I read recently, because they pled yeah, down. crazy. They pled down to fourth-degree misdemeanor bullshit. Um, he's the leader we deserve. It's either him or Greitens. Apparently, Greitens is also running for the Senate seat that's going to be open because Blunt is going to go die. And he's going to go to Elf Death Island. He's going to go to... Valinor and and just lay on the beach just turn into ashes Ooh! and uh Greitens wants his seat McCluskey wants his seat I didn't even know Mark McCluskey had any political experience I thought he was just a lawyer with a gun um Joe we were just talking about this working long hours poses an occupational health risk that kills hundreds of thousands of people each year says the World Health Organization if you can believe anything they say am I right <laughs> um okay. let's look at this this is from NPR Overwork killed more than 750,000 people in a year. People working 55 or more hours each week face an estimated 35% higher risk of a stroke, 17% higher risk of dying from heart disease compared to people following the widely accepted standard of working 35 to 40 hours in a week. 30 sounds, 35 sounds light, doesn't it? Yeah. That's a nice Super week. If I could just get 35, girl. Woo! It reminds me of like the Japanese warrior mentality where it's like if you die in battle, that's an honor. You know, you know, I was just thinking about that. Like it must have been a pain in the ass. Like every time you yelled at somebody for something that they just stabbed themselves in the chest. Yeah, right. You know what God I mean? Damn it, we lost another one. Well, it's like that's so I know you're trying to do it because it's the honorable thing because you brought disgrace to your house or whatever by being a piece of shit. But now I got to fucking look at your corpse and somebody's going to clean this shit up. And we're you not were, that much different. And that's you're the I'm one that was about. in trouble. Can you get me two of those LaCroix out of that fridge? Okay. This is not a power grab. I'm just so thirsty, and you've been talking so much that I haven't gotten a chance to ask you. Okay. Got to put him in his place. No job is worth the risk of stroke or heart disease, says WHO Director General Dr. Uh, Tedros. Oh, no. He's got more. He's got a whole name there. G. Breezes. Between 2000 and 2016, the number of deaths from heart disease due to working long hours increased by 42% and from stroke by 19%. So I'll be sure to cite that in my, uh, I don't know. Somebody will say, aren't you a piece of shit? Don't you only work like 35 hours a week? I'm like, well, I was told by the okay where are we where are we so much to do so little i mean seriously oh my homeless encampments hit stl 
Uh, I saw a tent under a bridge in this depressed section downtown, and now there's one on the corner of Chippewa and Hydraulic as of when I made this note, which could have been two weeks ago. I wish they'd come down here. I'd spray them with the hose. <laughs> but so you should see this picture. It's wild. They're, they're in a tent on the corner of the street. Look. Oh, that's so. Yeah, I saw that picture. That's so funny. Isn't that crazy? That's I love that. A, I think it kind of makes this, me want to do it just to make it. It looks statement. like just to see if you can. This looks like the same tent that was under that bridge. I would say I'm camping for Black Friday in July. God, that'd be hot. You do your own little sweat lodge. Yeah, tell them you're a tell them you're a ayahuasca shaman and you're doing a sweat retreat on the just, corner of Gravaway and Chippewa. This is a normal day in Bonnaroo. Mm. What well, I can hear like reverb or something in my headphones weird. Mm. Good God. Okay. We're fueled up. Um, what do you do about that? Hmm. Like, cause it's a bigger problem in other cities, but when people are choosing to live on the street in tents, I don't know what you do with them. We have a lot of questions we need answered. I have questions I need answered about the employment crisis. I have questions I need answered about the homeless crisis. Joe, we need to find a guest about the employment crisis. Somebody like maybe that knows something about this shit. Can you find somebody? We could go to that homeless guy. Let's, oh, can we go to the Chippewa and Hydraulic and ask the homeless couple in so the tent? tell us about the employment crisis. Guys, tell me, why are you out here? Why don't people want to work at McDonald's? <laughs> I can't joke about it. Be careful. You be you be careful. You're on a short fucking leash, <laughs> cocksucker. Um, Check out my new rap album. No, no, no. Uh, okay, so this is great. So this is a real question my high schooler cousin got assigned in a class online. In about 150 words, discuss how the economic freedoms of capitalism led to improved societal conditions when compared to conditions of socialistic countries. That feels passive aggressive. Doesn't it feel totally coded and also poorly yeah. worded? Like, oh, this is going to be a hard one for you guys. This is going to be, and why don't you just, it's like such a, doesn't yeah. it seem so leading? Yeah. Like it's some English guy. He lives in the middle of nowhere. English teacher. Oh, oh, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Then, then maybe it, it really is like honest. No, that's how they, thought. that's totally, yeah. The economic freedoms of, and meanwhile, like 33% of the families in, in that neighborhood like live on some kind of a public assistance. But all of them. Because they're, I mean, you know what I mean? Half of them don't even have feet. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Mm. Man, you were a fucking pain in the ass today. Me? Yes, you. Why? I'm getting like grunts and Tucker Carlson bullshit out of you. That's all I'm Dude, getting. Dude, I, I am Tucker Carlson. I hate you. Who, you, you, who's you, that guy? you You're hear David my impression? Crowder is who you look like. I know. Oh, you have a Tucker impression? I have a Tucker impression. What is it? He's like, this is Tucker Carlson arguing with his girlfriend about the dishes. I mean, I don't really understand. I left the house today, and um, there are still dishes in the dishwasher. That's really good. Yeah. That's that's one of the funniest things you've ever done. That sounded, I was transformed. I was transported. You should pull him up. I'm, no, I know exactly. I can see him saying that. I would love for him to be doing that on air. Like he's got his same backdrop. Yeah, right. But instead he's at home. Yeah. And he's just, he's just like, I don't understand. How would you even like argue with that guy? And he's... You wouldn't. You'd get those fucking so dishes funny. done because he's paying the rent and you, you're just trying to get him to shut the fuck up he's and go to so sleep. Annoying. Yeah, he's got. That's got to be the dynamic. He's such a pain in the ass. It's probably a super nightmare. 
his hair like in the morning. His like is he not routine. married? No, he's got to be. That's why I asked. You said girlfriend. I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Teach for America will no longer place new teachers in St. Louis. Instead, the organization said it will deepen its investment in its 600 alumni in the area and a continued bid to improve education outcomes. Teach for America, the New York-based nonprofit that sends new graduates to teach in some of the country's most troubled schools, will no longer do so in the St. Louis market, saying the student achievement rates here have been disappointing. Maybe that's because we're hiring a bunch of half-certified, non-experienced fucking doodads. But that's none of my business. I'm out of the biz. <laughs> Instead of sending new teachers to St. Louis, the organization said it will deepen its investment in its 600 alumni in the area and a continued bid to improve their outcomes. Teach for America believes that more experienced educational leaders are necessary to accelerate the pace of change of students. God, that's so funny. Here's the up. thing. Teach for America takes some of the most important pedagogy learning that you do in a, in a traditional program and just kind of skips over it. So... You have these people that think they're doing the Lord's work that have no idea how a classroom is supposed to work. And then they get there and they're met with the most challenging demographics. Yeah. You know, they're barely certified and they're not prepared for it. <laughs> so it makes sense that they can't handle it. We're going to more people who have more need like Wyoming. And yeah, Delaware. we're going to go. <laughs> we're going to go help some nice white people somewhere is Dude, what that sounds real. like to me. So, so fuck them. We're moving on. Um, Arizona's Republican-run election audit is now looking for bamboo-laced China ballots. This is an article I read from Slate where they're they're looking for traces of bamboo on voting ballots to detect Chinese interference in the presidential election that's already been decided. I threw that on here. That's something I had. What are you reading? I'm reading the script. <clears throat> You don't have a. You don't have a. This is my part to read, though. You don't have a response to the headline about the China ballots. They're I, looking for bamboo dust on the China ballots. That is so fucked up. I was wondering. I was like, is that just like a joke? And like the no, title no, no, of the no. article. They're seriously <laughs> testing mail-in ballots <laughs> for so bamboo weird. residue, oils and powders, and and <laughs> lotions and creams and butters. Sounds like General Patton is on that case. Well, how do we? How do we search? How do we search them? Look, look for. Bamboo or curry or something. That's exactly it. It's like, how do we know which one are the China ballots? I'm saying, test them for bamboo dust. It's all over the place over there. Get the uh, director of the CIA in here. <laughs> um, George W. Bush was a co-founder and agent of the modern deep state. He was an operative long before he was the director. He knew what really happened to Kennedy. He knew all the truths behind Watergate. Ellen is ending her show. She'll be fine. She's in the CIA. She was the only media personality who interviewed the security guard from Mandalay Bay, who was the last person to see Stephen Paddock alive after that shooting. She's deep state. That's how she knows the Bushes. Why did I write all that down? She's going to tease... Some yeah, like some QAnon shit. I think this is. I think this is all my response to her ending her show. I think all talk shows need to end by 2022. Oh my god, tell me about. We it. were talking about this at work today. My buddy Austin and I were talking about how um, Conan Fallon Conan show is ending. He's probably just going to do his podcast, and I see he's tweeting a lot, so he yeah. must still have some of that NBC money. Um, I think if he has a financial plan to get his own children through college, then he'll be good. He could just coast. I don't know how old his kids are now, but I'm thinking if I was him, 
I'm like, man, if me and my wife could just kick it and travel and my kids can get an Why education. Why can't we just travel? Why can't we? Listen, I'll tweet. We'll do the podcast. We can do. We can tweet and I can yell at my co-host. I don't know if he has a co-host. I guess Andy maybe does it. We should listen to the, this. We're jumping the podcast shark too with, I mean, everyone's going to have a podcast and who gives a shit, um, which is why we're launching Patreon. That's going to be so great. Working on a summer launch date still. I'd love to pair it with the hoodie, and you know how behind we are. So um, we haven't a set a date. Way, we haven't set a date for that reason. We've been backlogging content so that we can have new posts in the Patreon uh, frequently after it goes live. Yeah. So and just are you only going to give fifteen minutes to literally Israel versus Palestine? Who or, said fifteen minutes? Well, I just we should maybe do that another day. Oh, do you think we should instead of doing a whole hour, we should save? I thought we were an hour in already. No, it's 45 minutes. So 15 minutes. I mean, who? when I have Al on, we go for like two hours. Okay, let's do two hours. I mean, I'll do however no, long you no, want. No. It's just been kind of boring so far. I was hoping we could get to... I don't know that I can talk about Israel and Palestine just with you. Yeah, you're only going to hear like a bunch of like half-cooked stuff with me i'm just gonna be like fucking yeah. they threw bombs man yeah bombs were thrown <laughs> they did though like i, I know it, everybody know, doesn't want to hear that part of my coming to terms with the israel palestine thing too was writing all of that so I mean, maybe we'll save that for one of our guests maybe melissa powers will want to talk about that yeah. <clears throat> oh what a man's opinion on <laughs> it's amazing how quick we all got sick of joe rogan isn't it oh man like Jesus, when I moved into the house here at the end of 2019, I was just getting into podcasts for real again. It had to do with some guests he had that drew me in. It was sort of a big point in podcasts, really zooming up to where we know them now, I think. And I think the pod, the the pandemic really boosted podcast numbers because it changed our attention span and our availability. I'm Joe and, Rogan. And our appetites collectively started to trend that way. And then, I mean... I don't know. In high school, I graduated in 2009. So before then, I was a huge fan of Johnny McGovern, who's a gay icon and like an OG podcast pioneer. And I loved learning about what a podcast was then. And it was like a radio show, but it was stored online. So you could just go to it whenever. And the feed was updated. And, you know, you could listen to that show and it didn't have to be live and it didn't have to be on a terrestrial frequency. But I thought it was already like a dead thing. Like I thought it was like a niche, like old internet type of thing. <laughs> I thought it was a quirky, like outdated thing already. I'm Jacob V, and when I was 15, I was listening to ham radio, and people were telling me bomb shelters about the future. Um, and then listening to Chappelle on Rogan, I guess uh, maybe a month ago, was, they think they're gods. It was so two middle-aged uh, millionaires blowing each they're other. They're going on tour together, doing arenas. Do you hear I know, that? Well, they've they've done arenas together like that before. That's kind of how they're that. friends. Yeah, Joe is open for Dave a lot, of course. And, uh, but just the two of them on there being like, I get so this is why I never tried stand up, Joe. You always said I should try stand up when you're working at that comedy club. I should try it. And this is so much more my medium because the stand up thing seems so contrived and they talk about it like it's this sacred, magical thing. Like, no, you don't understand when it's room, just right, brother. Yeah. When everyone has a $9 gin and tonic <laughs> and three mozzarella sticks left. That's what I'm saying. Like, and when the waitress is just too scared to ask them to repeat their order because they're supposed to be quiet and everyone is forced to listen to me talk about my old pubes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? And I never understood. Like, why would anyone want to? I, under, I understood, like, being funny and being paid to talk to people if those people know you for another reason. It's just so insulting how much money those guys were making, like, more than us than, and how badly they sucked. 
Like they were so it's just that I was bad. unlistenable. I couldn't finish that episode. You would think, oh, it's legendary. It's Dave Chappelle on the biggest podcast in the world. They're going to talk. It's going to be mine. I was just like so self-aggrandizing and just so it's like so bad. Just like tone deaf. It was and it's exactly when I fell out of love with Dr. Drew and the whole Your Mom's House crew was Dude, when yeah. it was just um, Dr. Drew and Christina talking about, um, oh, you know, we have a housekeeper, so we don't fight about the laundry. Dude. Like, yeah. hello, it's maybe so listen to yourself say that before you fucking say it. Yeah. What's almost refreshing about like keeping up with the Kardashians is they are, it's almost like they're doing a satire of themselves and you have these other people that are living the same lives trying to do a satire of them. Like they're trying to make fun of them. But yeah. at the same time, you're like, wait a minute, you're the same person as them. Do you understand that? You live in the same house, you know, like Dave Chappelle's up there. Like, it's like, dude, just cause you're in Ohio doesn't mean you don't live in like a fortress, you know? Well, especially now, you know, especially after between the pandemic and like Lady Gaga's dog getting kidnapped and that time Kim got robbed. Like everyone's yeah. security is so airtight now. Yeah. And that like uh they're just even more removed from normal life than um they even used to be. You know what I mean? I just would love to see Joe Rogan said he's like, You probably remember me from my podcast. Like he's like, oh. like, like, he, like he's so bad live. He's so I hate his live shows. He just screams. I've never watched it. Oh, it's so he's bad. He sucks. I don't think he's that funny. He's not. He's not funny. And he's not even funny on his fucking pod. His jokes suck. He acts like the fucking he acts like your coach the whole time. He's just like, ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Rogan. And I hate when he starts talking about, I use what's called a pellet grill and what it does is this little wood. It's like, guys, you can't, you don't have to tell me about the Traeger grill every, you don't have to tell me from scratch every time. It's got the cash card. You get the cash card, bro. Oh, cash motherfucking app. cash app, brother. I was like, uh, I mean, that's the thing with the ads too. They're putting ads all over the middle of pot. I have this one podcast I'm listening to because I'm just addicted to the trauma. Uh, the the trauma coverage of just it's like about this camp where everyone was just a sex predator. It's terrible. Oh and yeah. And they they don't just have beginning and end ads like I'm used to, and then sometimes the new middle ads. But now they're breaking up the middle ads. I'm like, am I watching TV? I might yeah. as well turn on the radio. Yeah. So I mean, things are you know. Remember, people, when I launched this Patreon, this show has been brought to you commercial free since the fucking beginning. Yeah. And I love you. Fuck yeah. And Lion's Choice, if you're out there. God damn it. Big old bag of beef. Mm. Easy, Joe. You are the, uh, the, uh, yeah. Um, Joe, if, well, I wanted to get your perspective on this because you, you would identify as a Christian, correct? Oh, yeah. You, you're a wash in the blood of the lamb. Oh, yeah. In the most offensive ways. You, you've been, you've been, you've been saved by the, the risen Jesus. Yeah. Changed my mind, bitch. So what do you, what do you, no, no, no. I don't want to argue about that. Oh, damn it. Um, but what do you, what do you, how do you rationalize this thing where Jesus has been adopted as a mascot for prosperity theology and the second amendment and like things like that? Like where the literal, like, guns jesus freedom kind of rhetoric that is i mean it's a trope and it's it's a it's a stereotype and it's kind of hilarious but people that i know believe things that you don't believe <laughs> who are claiming that the, that your faith is the same as their faith and they're using that as like a weapon <laughs> to force a totally separate narrative what if i actually talked about this like i like it was a virtue of mine you know how people you ask him this question and they're like 
they never talk about it and now suddenly they're an expert like well yeah like you know like in, well I here's the that. thing that I wrote and it's like if I had to guess I would bet that the Church of England established Christianity as the theological choice for what later became the dominant class in the colonies and so truly it's just coincidental that Christ is the symbol that the elites use to control the masses and then those masses use to deflect diversity right you make everyone feel like we're on a team Jesus is our mascot and you're going to use our theology to protect our homogeny so we can remain it in justi- control you're right it justifies suffering that's what the whole thing was like so with my dad and stuff like the protestant like the fact that like the irish like on top of slavery the protestants and the irish kind of like built a lot of america because it actually they use suffering as a form of currency to get into heaven and actually the problem is is it's really important that they hang on to that because if they don't it actually makes like their life meaningless and it actually like like proves that they're getting scammed into working like like Horribly, well, that's the thing. You know. So if you're already living in that system, what you're saying is if you're already living in that system where you're working really hard and not not doing all that great, but you're doing it for a part of the greater good. Yeah. If um if you're already living in that system, you do not want to challenge all the stuff that validates the work you're doing every day. Yeah. Well, it's kind of their way of getting back at like billionaires and stuff who like, they're like, it's just this idea that it's like, yeah, man, but they're my spot in heaven so much better than theirs. Like they don't even, even if they are Christians, they're not like me, you know, like I'm doing this well, because you know, I'm a, like Henry David Thoreau, you know, last week we put out a, a best of volume one. So just some of our favorite clips from the, the show so far. And one of them, we talked about Trump's um, Jesus, thing right his the jesus, boss yeah that when, when he was saying we needed help from the boss and you know jesus christ and and we were talking about um the people in his audience who loved him for saying that the people that went nuts like he's like he's like groupies like the trump groupies there was a culture are totally about like that um you know that mm-hmm. it's a really suburbanite kind of a thing but they they kind of hang on the jesus thing a lot i don't actually think they're that involved in the the historical context of their faith or any of that i think it's a it's an identity politics thing and so but i'm just wondering it's sort of a i mean because you're not like a like a right-wing dude you know what i mean you're you're like an in the middle kind of guy but like does that frustrate you at all when you feel like do you feel like i mean because this is i wrote this before the israel palestine stuff that we'll probably get into next week because i don't really feel like it but i mean do you feel like that threatens your own faith identity at all when people kind of adopt yeah well it's kind of like the uh, it's kind of like the uh royals in britain you know it's it's not about walking with jesus or whatever it's all about conservatism and uh ritual and um tradition is that it actually the acts of that and the um rituals of going to church every sunday and stuff like that is actually more about um maintaining where they came from and like it's a form of culture like beating your wife for some families is part of the culture you know like and something that you inherit it's like part of being a man you know is really being really shitty and it's it's more about that and like knowing where you came from than being a christian like you know, acting the way Jesus would act and, you know, turning the other cheek when somebody punches you in the face, you know, like it's really, none of those people really get it. 
And like, I went to a Baptist church in Nashville that was like a mega church. And just like, I, they just don't get it. Like what the guy, mean? the pastor like cheated on his wife while she was in, had terminal cancer. Like these people are just so he would preach sermons where he would talk about how good he is as an example to everybody else. So he would go, you know me, I get up in the morning and run five miles every morning. You know, it's what I do. And you know, that's what Christians do. Like he would talk like that. And I'd just be like, are you guys buying this? This like pompous, like, like he, like he would preach his like words more than the Bible. He would be like, you know what you guys need to do. It's, it's, it's about discipline. You know, it's like, right. dude, what? You, yeah. And like, people are just buying this. Mm-hmm. So it's more, and you go down there and you just realize that it's so much more about, like, it's just, it's about maintaining the tradition of the rich. You know, it's like, and, and that kind of conservatism, because people love to come from somewhere, you know. And well, like, and to be in a club, and you can make a neighborhood church exclusive if the houses are all really expensive. Yeah. Well, and you yeah. find it in every group of people. Sorry. Every, what do you mean? You find these... uh contradicting uh pieces of ritual in every family group like these things that don't make any sense with like progress and relationships that they do anyway and they contradict themselves all out of ritual you know in my opinion give me an example i know i love it i just want to know what you're talking um about. you know just like the uh Again, it's the freaking abusive father who's also a, you know, diehard Christian who will, you know, he preaches empathy where he doesn't show any empathy towards others or his children doesn't teach them that really. And then you have like the grandma who's on pills all the time yeah. who is like super racist. Grandmas love pills. You, Grandmas love pills. Well, she's super racist and she's like telling you like, you know, like she's she's telling you she's having you memorize bible verses over the summer but also like being like you know, stay like with your own pills. you know <laughs> like you know well that's the thing that i'm saying is like like the what they seem to really care about this ideology and this figure that i don't think agrees with how they live their their lives or how, how they they feel about other people at least yeah and a lot of it is just rhetoric but you know when those people are in power that's how they make their decisions well, it's also really interesting. So I remember I had this manager at one of the places I worked at and he would break the rules. So he would scream at you and then actually moments later, and he did it on purpose, he would break the same rule as a power move. Like he would do it. So we had like an in and out door. And if he came through the indoor, he like freaked the fuck out. And then he did it himself and he did it as a message. He was like, he did like, you better not do that. I can fucking do do it. it. Yeah. Yeah, I can fucking do it. You can't fucking do it. And I think that's really, you feel like other people interpreted that behavior that way too. For sure. Absolutely. Like, and it's just something you dealt with, with that guy. And like, it also reminds me of like, you know, parents who it's almost like they kind of raise their kids to be kind of like, uh, really dependent on them. Um, so they raise them kind of in a weak way and then fill in all those gaps themselves Yeah, um, to flex on them. Oh yeah. Know? I definitely have people that I, that I know like that, that are like super sheltered and cause they, you know, but they have this very powerful, they have this very figure. powerful ideology and they also, but it's also totally just what they've kind of been um, given. 
ideologically from their their parenting probably right. and even when it's a good example of parenting it's like there's just this limited perspective and that's where you get you know like white privilege deniers yeah well here's like another example like there was this uh tv show that i watched and one of the things he talks about with his evil stepfather was this uh kid you know he was fa- failing out of school so the father's like no you're gonna pay all your own bills now and you know the mother really wanted her kid to go to school and it's like his stepfather. So it's not his, it's not his real dad. And they like both worked the father, the, the son and the mother worked all summer to like afford the next semester. And then at the very end of the summer, he's like, okay, I'll pay for it. And they're like, Oh, thank you so much. And he did that just to get that praise. Cause he was at the same time, uh, cutting them off, but also at the same time, saving them from, himself it's like it's like what dave Chappelle was talking about with the the pimp that put the person in that situation just to save them from it right and it's so it's like that kind of family mentality and that they use christianity so much in the same way they teach their kids these very naive rules that don't really make sense in like the horrible world we live in and then save them from it with their own sin it's like really yeah complex that's crazy that yeah that reminds me a lot of i'm building up to to something i don't know what it is there's some kind of piece i want to work on about um about faith i think um between uh the, the episode we did with tim and lou and then some of this stuff we'll be talking about and then also you know coming up next week we have these detailed notes about the great uh we're gonna settle israel and palestine we're gonna settle it uh ourselves here uh, so guys that's another episode of jacob v weekly high five follow us wherever you get your podcasts spotify apple podcast podbean google whatever please subscribe rate review share interact just engage with the post we have an instagram page for the show jacob weekly where we post exclusive content and uh, clips and highlights and whatnot. Joe's going to promise to fucking make some of those, please. You can contact the show with questions or topics for future discussion at jacobvweekly at gmail.com. You can call the show at Joe, what's that number? Okay, great. You can also find original music by Jacob V on all of your musical platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Deezer, why don't you bang it? We got gigs coming up. I have two nights at the Heavy Anchor, July 23rd and 24th. Um, I'm putting two shows together. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Here's the phone number. The phone number to contact Jacob V Weekly is? 314-632-6602. Beautifully read. Uh, I have curated monthly playlists on Spotify since May of last year. Jacob V's favorite songs on Spotify. Listen for those. We have over a year of those. This month is wild so far. We did it, guys. Be safe. High five.